they were like one of the things on there was that I was friends with someone who posted about defunding the police and that was on my little dossier. That's all you need. I mean, whom's, you know, who's among us? That's, you're an you're an anarchist now. I I have a black friend, guys. Oh my god. Not me being black was insufficient, but having a black friend as a black person, that was that was wow. the last drop for this lady. Literally I feel like dare you. That's a power move when white people say that. But I have yeah. a black friend. Right. And and now me. Now I have a black friend and now I'm the bad guy. Oh okay. no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, wow yeah. hello sisters and welcome grab a drink in a familiar cozy up by a bubbling cauldron and join us for this meeting of the sisters in the night caucus hello sisters say hello hello i am katie this is shanna hey and this is jillian and uh angela will be joining us at some point uh we have an awesome special guest with, with us and um i think we should just jump right into it we were having trouble figuring out what our segment was going to be today um and katie suggested villagers with pitchforks which is where you know we um pull out really dumb uh comments on news articles but then shanna brought up uh, a tweet of an article that made us think about something else shanna would you like to talk about the tweet Oh, I, I mean, no, because it really pissed me off, but well, yeah, I will. That's, that's what we do here, though. Yeah, true. Okay, so I was just mindlessly scrolling Twitter this morning mm -hmm. looking for um, my local news mm -hmm. segment. And before I could find any treasures on Penn Live, I came across <laughs> this tweet about how the Olympic Committee will not let, um, I don't remember, what was it, Norway? Norway. Yeah, it was Norway. They're, okay. So their women's beach volleyball team wanted to wear shorts instead yeah. of like those skimpy little bikini bottoms. And right. they were told no, because it can only cover like, I don't know, like some certain measurement of their Ten butt. 10 centimeters of their butt. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> and the thing that made me most frustrated was um, there were two responses. Mm -hmm. And one of them was a woman, because of course, oh who said, it's been the norm to play in bikini type bottoms for at least 20 years, nothing new. I can affirm that that is the standard. I'm like, bitch, I don't care if that's the standard. That's screwed up. And then my favorite was of course a dude, of course named John, Obviously. who said, um, I think women should be rebellious. They don't realize the power they hold, but do not utilize. Women could change the world, unified and determined. Let me tell you something, John. We are well aware, oh okay, of the fact that society has been oppressing women as long as there has been society and women. So thank you for thinking that maybe you, if we John, just like let our tampon- our power to us. And do you know what he wanted them to do? Is just what? like, let let their tampon strings hang out oh. and like fold the, the like wings of the pad over the bikini bottoms because oh. then, then people would be disgusted and then they would want them to wear shorts. That's how he wants women to harness their power. Get, sit down, John. Sit, sit down. down. Get fucked. How much do you want to bet that he's one of those guys who actually thinks the sticky part is not the part that goes in the underwear and it actually goes on the person? Because there's none like that. That's, I don't, oh my God. Listen, here's Apparently, what I wanted to talk about though. The idea <laughs> of women menstruating is just so disgusting to society yeah. that that's what would, it would take to, to change everything. It's so. so disgusting to society when the uterus is like the most powerful muscle of 
any human gender, but whatever. Well, what I took away from that is, listen, ladies, I guess we should just be bleeding all over everything because then people will just let us do whatever the hell we want. So I mean, honestly, I wish wish that were the case, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, I've had (sighs) menstrual accidents in my life. It's embarrassing. It gained me no power. Come on. Right. However, like I have nothing for that. Like a little flea free bleeding, like totally helps my menstrual cramps, frankly, if I were to do that. I, like it feels a little bit better, right? I don't know. Not, I can't really talk. Know? I have an IUD. I haven't had a period yeah, in like four years. But um, that's kind of amazing. <laughs> combine free bleeding yeah. and wombat buns of steel. And yes. Listen, it's all coming together, ladies. I was not on the wombat episode, but I greatly enjoyed listening to it. Listen, that's not the only Olympic shenanigans. Um, so like, I think, you know, I hope that most of our, our, our listeners have heard about uh, swim cap fascism, uh, i.e., you know, um, there is a company that makes swim caps that are um, better for um, black and brown people with larger hair styles, like protected styles, um, etc. cetera. And uh, that's no good because it doesn't form around the natural shape of the head, which like, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Also, who gets to decide what the natural shape of the head is? I, and a bunch of white dudes. White dudes on the Olympic committee who also think that women need to wear skin, scandalous bikini bottoms, yeah, so. Yes. Well, I mean, is there a normal shaped head? I thought the point was we were all different. I, but then we can go into how we uh, tell women athletes how much testosterone. Oh my God. Yes. Because that one really pissed me off. And I don't remember if it was like the 100 or the 200, but she had too much testosterone for one race and, but not for the other race. The other race was fine. Like the 100 meters, no, too much testosterone, but the 400, mm, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I don't like, and if, if any particular woman is on any type of hormonally based birth control yeah your levels are gonna fucking change assholes right and also just like people are different some people have different hormone levels like i I, uh, um a non-serious one anti-sex beds so the the, uh, the tokyo olympics want to make sure that uh, olympians are not having um tons of really gymnastic sex this would be the moment that Angela jumps on. We're going to wait for a second while Angela gets on because I think she'll enjoy this. She will have opinions. She will have opinions. Hi, Angela. <laughs> Let's talk about sex beds at the Olympics, Angela. Yeah. <laughs> she, she can't unmute herself, but she is laughing. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, what? yeah so we're talking we're we're just bagging on the olympics today so we're talking about actually anti-sex beds so they don't want people to get covid um and have tons of sex and so they have these individual like very single recyclable recyclable beds that are like the basis cardboard so if it has the weight of more than one person on it which by the way how much does one person weigh yeah what's the you know, because like, look, I, I'm just saying like, 
like a power lifter and two gymnasts probably weigh the same amount, right? Like, that, yeah, that's that's very true. Like, I mean, shot put, la- put ladies, you know, right. two well, shot put ladies in a bed is not gonna. No, and so like, uh, and and if you make any sudden movement, it just like it breaks. So I first of all, I move when I sleep. That sounds horrible. Uh, but second of all, somebody on Twitter pointed this out, and I think extremely wise. I wonder if uh, some of the most physically gifted athletes in the world can figure out how to have sex standing up. Or, or like at least one of them. Or there are floors, there are flat surfaces everywhere. I mean, like. Good plan, Olympics. Good plan. This, Good is, plan. this is the stupidest thing I've heard since I heard that they were going to still give them condoms. Branded condoms, but, but only, but only as souvenirs. Sense. No, no, just souvenirs. Just as a bring the Super condom nice. home with you, and after COVID, then you can use it. So, like, listen, this I think this is um, as brilliant as putting the little paper straw cover on a to-go cocktail. Yeah, mm, very right? effective. You know, <laughs> don't use it now. It just that just made this occur to me if I were an Olympic athlete which I'm like the furthest thing from but if I were an Olympic athlete I would save the condom I would save one of the condoms every year and I would put them in a shadow box on my wall oh um, absolutely because that would be there's got to be one Olympian that has done that there must be I mean, the people that go like yeah that go like cycle after cycle we got to find those like three-time olympians and just yeah. check out you know like some people collect stamps or postcards <laughs> i i feel like i i have someone to ask about this because uh one of my best guy friends uh does all the back-end ticket logistics for the olympics Ooh. every single year is like a freelance co- every single cycle is a freelance contract mm-hmm. and uh I bet you anyone, he might, I don't know if he has a shadow box, but he, I, he's the type that would have saved the branded condoms. So I'm going to see if I can get some content there, you know, Is that a collection we can buy on eBay. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> next, um, weed is not a performance enhancing drug. Just- I, I, I want to say something. Yeah. Wait, are we recording? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we've been recording since before you got on. <laughs> good morning, Angela. Good morning. I was about to say, if my cleaning of my house was any indication last night, we did not have performance enhancing drug. <laughs> so there's that. Out. So there's that. Okay. Um, yeah, no, not, it's not, it's not, it's not performance enhancing. It doesn't make you run faster. It makes you want to take a nap and eat snacks. Um, and yes, it has mental health benefits. Uh, and so can I just say from the bottom of my democratic heart, Joe Biden, you're like rules are rules bullshit. No, no, that's not it rules are like rules change all the time we could change the freaking rules change it for everybody i'm not just talking about shikari i'm talking about everybody because who cares who cares it's legal where she lives who cares caffeine 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 which we all have in our hands is is 
a performance enhancing drug. It is. I mean, trap, you know, yeah, it makes me clinical study. It enhances, enhances the shit out of my performance every day. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Um, but I, I missed the memo where uh, we were testing for caffeine. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, that's weird. Um, so yeah, but la- and last but not least, and this is just this one's just personal to me. There are no Sixers on the USA Olympic basketball team, and uh, I don't. That's not right. I don't like it. Um, it makes me sad. Matisse Thibel's on the Australian team, but that's like, I mean, like, I love you, Matisse, but like Australia, really? We are not going to make this a Sixers like Australia. Podcast. I'm no. not trying to, no, not but it's relevant podcast. to me. And that's really all I care about. Anyway. <laughs> they have already also detected COVID in Olympic Village and the Olympics don't even start for another week. So this is going to be great, you guys. There is nothing that could like, possibly go wrong. I feel like the Olympics have been already happening for like 900 years. Yeah. And we missed a year, but I still feel that way. Um, oh, God. All right. Listen, well, Katie's just put a chip in her mouth. So that feels like the perfect time to segue to our guest um i am so very excited uh, i will i will get us kicked off here uh we have savannah thorpe Sav thorpe is a writer and progressive political operative in lancaster pa uh katie do you want to take it from there apparently yeah all right anyway Sav worked in communications for Justice Democrats, um, has consulted with Lancaster Stands Up and local campaigns via her company, Little Ads. Um, Sav also worked on the Jess King for Congress campaign in Pennsylvania's 11th district doing communications and digital project management. She's also a member of Global Shapers in the Lancaster Hub and is a board member at large for the Common Wheel. Um, which is a nonprofit community bike organization. Sav was most recently with Elizabeth Warren and then Comms 2, Commonwealth Communications, where she helped coordinate work across Pennsylvania's progressive spaces. And she has now moved on to another unnamed but loved political campaign. Ooh. So welcome, Sav. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> really excited to be here. I do have to just like when I moved to Lancaster as a 10 year old, they made me sign a contract that whenever anyone says Lancaster, any way other than Lancaster, <laughs> I have to comment on it. <laughs> I'm from Western Pennsylvania and we say Lancaster. I um, regret to inform you that I'm you're sorry. just, you're just wrong. And I know. Uh, <laughs> they My actually- from Central PA, he tells me all the time, but I don't care, I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> they started, we, I guess, started selling t-shirts that spell Lancaster. L-A-N-G-K-I-S-S-T-U-R. Like you can oh, buy, I'm buy one of those shirts. I'll, I'll mail one to you. Love it. That- <laughs> Wait a minute. No, I don't think Jillian should get a shirt unless she agrees to change her wicked ways. <laughs> All right. That's just cruel. Ah, we'll work something out. I'll, I'll have my people talk to your people. Now I'm, I'm curious. I am not a South Central PA native, but I am a transplant. I'm in York County and I also, um, I went to Mansfield and there were a lot of South Central folks that went there and they also had arguments, heated arguments over the pronunciation of the town with the, the battlefield where we met last week. Ah. I grew up and it was Gettysburg, but I, I was 
very ferociously screamed at that it is Gettysburg. Gettysburg. Yeah, we're I, Gettysburg. I'm Gettysburg. We like yeah. I, 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 we I also are, didn't know Ephrata. I was like Ephrata. What a weird name for a town. And I so that is learned. the town where I actually grew up. I grew up like right on the border of Ephrata and a teeny tiny town called Rainstown. Um, and that was another one that just we. I don't know what to tell you, man. Here in Lancaster, we are extraordinarily committed to our incorrect pronunciations and we will die on those hills. And that's no, just I mean, how that it makes be. Sense. Like, Shanna, aren't you like from like the Rochester area or something or your family? I'm not from anywhere. So I grew up in Jim Thorpe. Oh, um, right. Yes. But then I went to high school in the Finger Lakes. Oh, okay. So I, I went to high school in right. Schuyler County, which is well, pronounced then, or which is spelled S C H U Y L E R, like mm-hmm. the dude from Hamilton. Yeah, I lived in Rochester for a while and they got some weird stuff. Chai Lai. Yes. Jay I drove. Buff. Oh, I went to the Target in Chai Lai this week when I was up there. Um, go, but yeah, no, Rochester's another one where I was like, oh, Rochester. And they're like, no, Rochester. Rochester. Rochester, yes. Um, and the people in Rochester have the best weird hybrid, not quite Minnesota, like hard A's that you've ever heard in your life. So you have to understand, I, so I'm also kind of from nowhere. I was born in Texas. We moved to Michigan when I was like three. We left Michigan when I was like 10-ish. So most of my childhood memories are in Pennsylvania, but I was in Michigan just long enough for people to pronounce my name Savannah, like with that real flat, hence the rebrand to Sav. Yes. I swear to God, it was as if it was a four syllable name, Savannah. And it it drove me up a wall. I was like, this is not going to work even a little bit. So that That becomes professional. Oh yeah, (laughs) message discipline, baby. It's all about the brand. So, So you're in comms. And you're living in a place where nothing is pronounced the way that it looks like it should be pronounced. So does that like, we have, I'm going to listen, my baptism by fire into the world of communications came on the Jess King campaign. And the person I worked under was a message discipline despot. And I tell this whenever I do like workshops with like local school board candidates running for the first time, I'm like, you should be exhausted of how much you're saying the same things over and over and over again. And I tell them unjokingly, after the Just King campaign wrapped up, we all did a big bonfire and we all gave her stump speech almost verbatim. Like that, so listen, we have message discipline. Is it a good message? No, we mispronounce everything, but we are disciplined about it. And you know what? I got to respect the commitment to the bit a little bit on that. I'll take it. That's yeah. no, that's so real. Like definitely. And I tell um, my candidates locally in Blair County that as well. And like, you know, cause I, I talk to them about like the fact that it, in a normal year, right. Um, I'm a County chair. And so like, you're hearing the candidates speak a hundred thousand times. And like, if you can get like, honestly, and I'm not kidding. If you are a County chair who cannot, who can get to like October and not be able to give every single statewide candidate stump speech, I'm ashamed of you. Um, cause you should have heard it that many times uh, oh, you know you can give those judicials already oh my god well, and, and it's only July so you know yeah terrifying well but that's how you know you're doing it that's the way but that's true. speaking about messaging we've kind of had this ongoing conversation kind of weaving in and out some recent episodes about being authentic in your messaging <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> where are you going with that, Katie? Yeah, I'm really interested to see where this lands. Mm. I could go a few directions. I'm going to start like it's, I'm going to start with the softball of what is your advice to candidates who are struggling to find their message to be as authentic as possible? That's a great question. And thank you for asking. And truth <laughs> be told, it is one of my favorite little songs and dances. Like this is me doing message discipline. I tell this exact little anecdote all the time. So my favorite thing to do with candidates is when they're like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like I have a couple of scattered thoughts. I have a couple of pet projects. I'm like, all right, stop. Like we're not, you're, you're lost in the sauce here, chief. So <laughs> where we're gonna do, uh, I'm gonna hand you a magic wand. You're in office, it's 10 years later. Where are we headed? What are we doing? Like for real, why, how will life be different if I hand you a magic wand in the position that you're running for uh, and you wave it and everything is exactly how you want it to be. Where are we? Describe the world. And they're like, okay, yeah, uh, all of us can afford childcare. Like our kids are happy. Like there's a big giant park. I'm like, that's great. Okay. <laughs> Why aren't we there yet? Like step two. Okay. We know where we're headed. Great. That's really important. Why aren't we there? Because where you're describing sounds great. I love parks. I love breathing. I love roads. I love fully funded life, right? I love all that shit. Oh, can, am I allowed to swear yes, on? Please I do. Oh, yes, absolutely. Startled myself. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, why aren't we there? What's the deal? They're like, well, you know, the city council seems like maybe kind of lazy. Like they don't really care that much. Like, you know, I bring these issues up all the time, but like they seem like, you know, these issues are not that important to the people who are in office. I'm like, that's great. Now we have a villain. Tell me what, right? So like, you kind of have to like baby step your way through it. But I've found that like, when it comes to like helping candidates with just kind of like step one, you know, the first thing, whenever anyone's like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about running for office. Everyone who like loves them and cares about them or even hears that they're running for office, their first question is going to be, oh, huh, why are you doing that? And you better have like a pretty tight answer to that or you're in a tough way. So the very first thing I do with candidates is like, where are we headed? Why aren't we there? And that usually at least gets them in the headspace of like how to talk about what they're in this race to accomplish. I love that. That is amazing. <laughs> Have you ever run into those? What is the best worst answer you have ever had to why are you running? Oh my God. Please, <sighs> Please oh. don't be a story about me. Please don't be a story about me. <laughs> No, not at all. Um, I'm trying to think you're putting me on the spot here a little bit. Somebody was like, you know what? Actually, like things are kind of fine. So <laughs> like for real, I was like, what, how on earth did you wind up in this workshop that I'm running? Like, this is not what I do. He was like, yeah, you know, things are pretty good. And I just kind of want to keep them going pretty good. I think that I could be kind of interesting on the board and Really, I would do kind of exactly what's already going on, but uh, you know, I'm a black guy and there's no black guys. And uh, of course, I'm, it's a man. All right, for real. I was like, okay, chief. Uh, <laughs> and like, what do you do with an answer of like, uh, you know, I'm doing a good job. All my friends are having a good time, but you know, I needed an activity. I was like, who? Oh, I'm like, you sound like someone who ran for Senate in Texas one time and then tried to run for president. Like, you just needed a summer activity. Um, 
But for this individual, I was like, okay, tell me about this pretty good that's going on. Like, why are things so good? Is there a chance that things stop being so good? But like, that was maybe one of the tougher ones that I've heard of like, eh, you know, yeah. that's, oh. I'm like, good luck fundraising, bud. <laughs> yeah, vote for me. I'm going to do the same thing that everybody else is doing. But Nothing's like- going to fundamentally change. Vote for me. I'm like, dog. You're, you're running against an incumbent. That's like, come on, man. They're doing everything right. Give me a shot. Oh, vote for me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to steal all their ideas because that's what men do, but I'm going to put my name on it. Right, but I'm going to be black and steal their ideas. Vote for me. I'm like, dog, that is insufficient. I'm like, like I'm um, in theory, like I love that. Like do your little hustle. I love a good scam too, but like- yeah. At least sell your scam a little better. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not surprised by the like man stealing idea thing. Gonna be honest, like that happens way too often. One of our other rotating hosts um, in 2018, like literally had their campaign logo stolen by a nearby other candidate in another district. Mm -hmm. Well, and that, was that the same person that like, grab stuff verbatim from her website that is the same person who also took her platform wait i'm sorry can you just write that name in the chat so i can laugh maniacally to myself (laughs) yes Uh, because i have a funny feeling i know who it is yep oh oh yeah (laughs) yup uh that's what i thought yeah and it was um that was a that was wild that was insane that was because here's like it wasn't even like a a common like logo it was like very unique and very much her and her background too and i just wow the balls and they still have the balls as they help other candidates they're actually the same thing happened the following year in the county commissioner race here. There were four candidates running. One of the women, very strong background, actually quite similar to Emily's and had her logo stolen by a different entitled white dude candidate. Um, I will put in here in here for y'all, but sorry, pod listeners. Um, we're not going to dox these folks quite yet because while they deserve it, I have not had enough coffee and or alcohol to uh, but hey, join our Patreon you can come to our discord maybe we'll tell you there i don't know maybe Wait, what else happens when you join our patreon if we hit a level oh right well i mean we're still in the midst of the maria montagna food slapathon um so if we get to 200 in patreon subscriptions so that we can pay our amazing producer dr ack money um then Maria Montagna will make a video of herself being slapped by a food of our Patreon subscribers choosing a video that will only be released to said subscribers. Bam. I have seen Maria's food slapping videos. I have not known Maria as long as Jillian, but she is a queen and it is the best thing you will ever see. So you should do this. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry, I digressed a little bit. That's okay. Too much. Um, as we are talking, oh, go on, Shanna. I was going to say, we're talking about like people stealing identities that don't belong to them, which might lead into something else we were going to discuss around authenticity of candidates, perhaps. Oh, that's a really, that's a really juicy tee up. I'm, 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 y'all just really tease the best questions. Lay it on me. Well, not just candidates, but those of us 
you know, who are also maybe yeah, like supporters. Yeah, or organizers, organizers or in the work of the movement, right? Rural cosplay is what we're going for here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. Oh yeah. Lay it on me, comrades. Uh, oh, well, where to begin? Where to where to even begin? As I just a, want y'all to know none of you can see anyone, but everyone just rub their eyes and like put their heads in their hands. Like, <laughs> I don't even know the question, but they're already exhausted of it. I just want no, to all know yes. that's what I'm walking into. <laughs> Sometimes I feel bad because we'll stew over something for days and like we know what's coming, and the poor guest is like ambushed oh, by God. our God. <laughs> Uh, I love it. I love it. I Keep will me on my toes. By saying, like, as we are talking about authentic message, like, not even the authentic candidate, but also the authentic organizer. I am constantly amused. Uh, one of my greatest mentors um, once called me the most redneck city girl he's ever met, which I took as a huge compliment, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. Um, I'm, I am married to a redneck. Um, I come by it honestly, but like people in rural areas are pretty straightforward, pretty honest, pretty down to earth. Um, and then we get people coming in from campaigns, people staffing people coming in from campaigns who are like, well, do I wear a camel? baseball cap to this event like, let me grab a flannel do? and some levi's jeans um shall i wear some brand new work boots that have never been taken anywhere before do i want to like make social media posts about <clears throat> the event that's like oh my goodness like these people are so afraid to be democrats in rural areas what do we do and like what kind of don't look at me like that i'm just staring into the corner (laughs) um listlessly at this point you know and we're just talking about like how can organizers who are not dumb shits who Mm -hmm. rural cosplay how can organizers do better outside of our more major urban areas not just philly i'm not going to call scranton rural yeah i'm not going to call allentown rural but you have been around and you have done campaign work. So how can organizers do better in the rural areas with their own authentic messaging? Yeah, ooh, that's a great question. And I'm going to return to my time on Jess King. So just to context set a little bit, uh, Pennsylvania's 11th congressional district encompasses Lancaster County and, and Southern York. So what that meant for us was that the, the county of Lancaster is in the, in the center is the city of Lancaster, which is deep, 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 deep blue, very, very blue. Then we have a ring of extraordinarily purple suburbs and then a sea of red. So, I mean, a sea. And it's really funny. Like I grew up in Reamstown, like deep in the sea for about five years. I lived in the purple and I just moved to the blue. So it's been a fun little growth for me too. But to answer your question about you know cosplaying and being authentic in rural areas, I think that when we ask people the magic wand question that I that I alluded to earlier of like wave a magic wand, what's different about your community? You cannot talk about your own family uh, or your own individual experience as the center of the answer to that magic wand question, right? So when we talk about what's different in ten years you have to account for all of the people that you want to represent 
or else you are not going to represent them. That's them's the facts. So when you wave a magic wand, how that's going to affect Greenstown is going to be different from how it's going to affect the city. The outcomes by and large will likely be similar. Um, we'll all have internet. We'll all be able to afford rent. Our kids will have really good schools. But where we're starting and where we're going are like slightly different in different areas. So to your very specific question about like rural versus urban and what happens when candidates who have more like suburban or urban backgrounds try to go cater to rural areas, I think the answer is really based in listening. The way that people in rural areas describe the problems that they're facing um, is going to require you as a candidate to talk differently about the solutions you're going to propose, right? Even if everyone everywhere is struggling with rent, the way it feels someplace really rural is going to feel different than someplace really urban. And the way that poverty manifests in someplace really rural is going to show up differently than how it would manifest in someplace really urban. And that makes a huge, huge difference in how we talk about it. Um, one last thing that I will add is I think that often progressives get a little caught up talking about problems. No one wants to hear about their problems. We all experience our problems every single day. And I think part of what maybe you experience when you describe a, a lack of authenticity from some of these candidates in rural areas is that they try to tell rural people their problems. They don't know that like these candidates cannot talk to the problems people in rural communities face authentically. They can't. What they can do is uplift stories that already exist. They can listen to what people are telling them and fold it into the, into you know what they say. Um, but they need to talk about solutions in a way that is pertinent to the problems that they are unaware of, right? If, you, if your experience is urban or suburban, internet access problems are like a little abstract to you. You can still talk about your solutions where every single person has broadband access, but the way you talk about them in rural communities is going to have to reflect that you are listening to what life is like without reliable broadband. You don't know that as a candidate from someplace suburban. You just don't have that experience. So I think that is, I'm, I know I'm wandering a little bit, but. No, I think that's perfect. We like yeah. wandering. Yeah, we And it's <laughs> applicable to not just candidates, but to people who are maybe working with organizations who are assigned to work in areas that they're not from and maybe they don't understand. <laughs> oh God, excuse me. Let me you. I have, I, can I add two things super quick? Yes. Of course. Wonderful. Um, so the, the first one is, um, you know, I think really speaking to, to Katie's point about um, rural cosplay, and, and I think this is really important. Um, so as an organizer, like as a, as a lifelong, you know, um, organizer, um, I think that there has to be in this modern age where the internet is forever, you know, and we all have existed in a somewhat public manner for a very long time. Um, 
you know, I, I just think that it can't be understated that like, you, you can't adopt personalities. You can't get new jobs and be a different person. You can't, you can't switch your messaging just because someone's paying you to say, you know, something different or focus on something different. And I mean, it, it's, it's going to undermine your, your, you know, trustworthiness when you are organizing because people are going to assume that you are nothing more than a paid shill who will just parrot, you know, whatever line someone's paying you to parrot. And that just doesn't work. Um, yeah, Shannon said, because maybe they are. Yeah, maybe. I mean, sometimes. But maybe, it could be sometimes, but I'm saying that is, that is just not effective. And it speaks to um, the, the largest problem and statewide organizing, which is like, don't parachute people in. There's no reason for this. If you need an organizer for an area, hire an organizer from the area. Yes. Hire them, them, train them. These are the people who come on the ground already knowing the lived reality. And so that that just, I mean, that can't I can't be understated. Yeah, I'm really chomping at the bit to like add to this a little bit, if I may. Yeah. Um, oh no, you add, and then I want to circle back around to another another issue. So okay. yes, go. Um, if I can like be the black woman here a little bit, Absolutely. do that with racial issues too. Okay. I um I'm going to die furious at a group of white people who hijacked the Black Lives Matter movement here in Lancaster. They kicked me out of the Black wow. Lives Matter movement. And it was really painful. They were hell-bent on not listening. And it showed, right? The way that they engaged in activism was asking white people to be less bad rather than empowering Black people. And the movement fizzled because that's not how you build power at all. And so to this, to this point about like, you can't parachute people in, that counts for like sub-communities within your communities, right? Here in the city of Lancaster, we're like 35% Latin American, maybe a little bit more than that. We can't send our like New Yorker subscribers to knock doors in places that don't speak English. That's, that's just not gonna fly, right? Uh, <laughs> we can't send um, all of our school board candidates into every single area, like just, they are just not going to be able to speak confidently to the issues that face different quadrants of the city. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That is fine. And I think that maybe that's another portion of this we need to, we need to acknowledge is that like, you will be an inappropriate messenger for some messages. Um, that is okay. Go find a messenger convince them of your message, and then send them out. Uh, I was asked to write an op-ed about an issue. So in in one of the suburbs of Lancaster, huge hubbub, uh, a trans child, I believe they identify as a female now, um, wanted to play sports. The three PA people came with their pitchforks. Our people came with a bunch of like trans and American flags, which was very beautiful. But I was like, hey, you know, I don't, I can't really go to that, you know, demonstration, but like, can I ghost write an op-ed for somebody? And the person I reached out to was like, oh, you can totally write one. I'm like, dog, I am a cisgender woman with no children in school. 
and I do like yoga maybe every other day. Like I am an inappropriate messenger for why trans girls should play sports with girls. And that's great. <laughs> like I should not be the person taking up oxygen in that conversation. The same way that like a white person should not be the person taking up oxygen in a racial conversation or a man should not be the person taking up oxygen in a women's comp, right? Like the same way that like messenger matters and uh, the wrong messenger can derail a phenomenal message. Yeah, that is real. Sorry, I, I get really oh. worked up about this. No, I love it. I, I, I love these manif manifestos and you're right on the money. Yeah. Um, my, the second part of my question for you um, is directly related to one of my um, passions, pet, pet organizing passions and soapbox I've been on for the last year. Um, so, and I, I, you already mentioned it. And so I, I want to hear you expound upon it because, because this drives me insane. This concept that all of Pennsylvania needs to go in two buckets that are either, that either identify as urban or rural and 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 I, what specifically i want to hear you speak of because this is something i'm working very heavily on in western pennsylvania and i'm going to tell you why because when you look and i'm going to use northwest as an example but when you look from allegheny to erie and you want to put those communities in urban and uh rural buckets per se you are erasing entire communities of color. Like they don't exist, you know, they, like they cease to exist because what you're doing is you're ignoring these third class cities, you're ignoring the smaller, you know, your, your small towns um, that have very pressing issues um, around a whole lot of, you know, issues that one considers more urban based, but these are not urban areas. But so identifying those counties like that is literally a death sentence for organizing in these communities. The way you described Lancaster is perfect. And can you please speak to this and how you think we can push back against it? Yes, I, I absolutely can. Um, so the first thing I'm going to touch on is the fact that people often uh, conflate urban and black with rural and white farmer. And that is inappropriate. I grew up rural, like very, very rural. My family's backyard was up against a cornfield and we would walk next door and exchange two quarters for a dozen eggs that were still warm out the chicken. So <laughs> I'd like to start by just reminding everyone that what you are describing when you describe urban and rural has a lot more to do with housing density than it does with income, race, class, mm -hmm. uh, industry even, right? Just be very clear. And like, that is maybe one of the hills that I am going to be willing to die on is that be clear in your language, right? Person of color, no, I am a black person, right? Like <laughs> be clear in your language. Talk about urban when you are talking about dense housing. Talk about rural when you are talking about right the things that pertain to rural america that does not mean that you are talking about white people it doesn't mean that you're talking about poor people slash hillbillies it might but it might also include some other stuff too um and so i think 
I just, I have such a fresh and sensitive appreciation for listeners in a way that I would not have described two, three, four years ago. Um, people who do not listen and just like apply a framework um, are missing a lot of the picture the way that you described Angela. Um, whereas people who do a lot more listening and then folding that into their like working opinions and the stories that they tell and the solutions that they uh, present get way closer to the solutions that the people who are experiencing the pain and the brokenness need. So, and I'm trying to think of an example. So, okay, where I grew up, we were next to a town that used to be very, very, very thriving um, and has since devolved very badly and is now very poor. So there's very dense housing, but all of the industry jobs that led that town to success are gone, right? So the way that you talk about the issues in that place, which is deep red and rural, <laughs> are going to be different from how you talk at the Farmers Association. And that's great. But if you go to both of those like deep red rural areas with the same exact like prepared remarks, you're going to look like a buffoon in at least one of them, potentially both. Yeah. So I think, again, the answer here is listening. And I just will never, ever, ever, ever shut up about the need for people to listen and to amplify stories rather than uh, talk at them, which I think is the instinct of a lot of maybe first-time candidates, young organizers. Um, they come in with a sermon rather than uh, a blank journal to like jot down notes and be like, ooh, you mentioned childcare. You are actually not alone in that issue here in rural area. As a matter of fact, nobody in Pennsylvania can afford childcare right now, right? And, and sort of adapt that way. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit of a difficult discussion for me to have in the abstract, but I hope that I'm sort of getting at like a very core theme here, which is yeah. like, describe your utopia and then listen to why people are not there yet is kind of the two step here, right? Yeah. The reason that childcare is unaffordable in any place is going to be similar, but the way it gets experienced is going to be different, just parent to parent and community to community. And that's great. That's America. That's why we live here, but you have to respect it. That's part of the American experience. Yeah, I think that's so, that is so real. And you know, one of the things I was thinking of before was like, so, um, you know, every time we have like a congressional year uh, or presidential year election, uh, an organizer gets parachuted into my county. Um, <laughs> more recently, the organizer was actually from Pennsylvania, which was cool. Um, but uh, <laughs> I did one in um, 2016, I think, have an organizer from New Jersey who told me that she was from rural New Jersey. And I was like, uh and that like <laughs> she was she was like i want to try and register people to vote at lowe's i was like what <laughs> and then she was like i mean are there any democrats here and i was like first of all you're talking to the democratic county chair right probably like don't do that <laughs> um uh and although that was a rocky start <laughs> she was very deeply herself <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> much to much to consider there. Yeah, but uh, like she did like she she did actually do good. She did do better at like listening once she like got the hang of like yes, you absolutely should be yourself, but like probably you should not say things that are insulting to the community you're working in. That's a huge one. (laughs) And if you're a statewide candidate, if you're a statewide candidate, because, you know, Sav, I heard you say first time candidate or this, you know, sometimes make these mistakes. If you're a statewide candidate and you don't have a firm grasp on the, you know, makeup of the county that you're, you're about to call into or go visit for the first time, please, please, please do background, you know, have conversations with people, do what you got to do, because there is absolutely nothing more offending, you know, and off-putting and closing, you know, door closing than statewide candidates who come into your county and have the most, like, cockamamie idea, you know, an off-based idea. Jillian, have you experienced this? Because I've experienced it. Oh God, all the time you get candidates that come in like, and usually, and they're not the good ones. So like it, they're not the good candidates. The, the candidates that aren't so good will like come in and talk to you. And they do like, they do the thing that you mentioned where it's like the same speech, no matter where you are. Right. And it's like, I know like you're in Blair County right now. I know you gave that speech in York. York and Blair County are not the same county. You probably gave it in center too. And that's also not the same place. Um, yep. And it's just like, oh, you're like, oh God. Well, yeah, it's just clear that they've engaged in precisely zero listening. And I just, you know, as, as, a, as a black woman mm-hmm. and as someone who spends a lot of time all over Hell's Half Acre trying to prepare uh, young and first time candidates to assume positions of power. I just think that it's really incumbent on people with platforms uh, not to be dictators and not to be prescriptive in their solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm gonna argue, and I think this is just kind of like a comms thing. And I think just maybe a truth we all experience. By and large, if you ask someone who's experiencing a problem the solution to that problem, they'll have an answer, right? They don't need you to come in with, you know, your your fancy degrees and and whatever you have going on. They know the problem and they have a pretty good idea of what would fix that problem. It might be something as simple as the cops keep harassing me and the answer is they stop it. It might be, I can't afford childcare and I would like money for childcare, right? And so I like it's it's very simple most people have a sense of like the thing that would fix their problem so if you parachute somewhere as a candidate as an organizer whatever it is and you haven't asked the people experiencing the pain what they would like their government institutions to do to help and you just roll up with answers that's really uncomfortable that's really uncomfortable and that's not how governments that like work for all of us work that's just not how it goes can so, I be a, can I be an ass for a moment? Of course. So are you telling me that the answer to all of Pennsylvania's woes is not to just legalize weed? You know, uh, I, I, I am a fan of cannabis. I do think that there are problems that we face 
that would maybe be solved with money and not cannabis. Uh, Are you sure that cannabis won't solve my child care affordability <laughs> crisis? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm not a policy person. Um, but from what I understand from my friends who are having trouble affording childcare, uh, smoking a, a marijuana cigarette does not help them afford childcare. Damn it. It's, it's just what I've heard, yeah. you know, in my time knocking doors. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like social media ads are really leading me astray then because I, that is literally all I ever well, see. It's like the most huh. important thing. Yes. As, as the policy wonk in the room. I can tell you, there is some money the state could make off of legalizing marijuana. Sure. Do you want to know how big our needs in this state are and how little legalizing marijuana will actually do to cover those needs? <laughs> but those ads lead me to believe that it will solve literally all of Earth's problems. You, hold on. <laughs> to do what, what people in the Democratic Party at large will mm -hmm. think of the Big Ten Party, like different spectrums, Sure, sure. Everything we want to do from childcare to education to healthcare to all of it. Legalizing marijuana, closing the Delaware loophole, a very small personal and corporate tax increase, all of that combined and whatever the fuck fees we can come up with, maybe more gambling, I don't know, still will not meet our budgetary needs. So fuck off. It's not the only thing. Right. It's almost as if there are a bunch of people hoarding wealth like dragons who are preventing us from having the money we need for child care or oh senior care or roads that are smooth or, you know, a multitude of things. Steph, why don't you want Richard Branson to go to the moon? That's all I have to ask you. Why don't I want him to go to the moon? It's all those millionaires want to do is inspire us by going to space. You know what it is? It's that I actually hate joy and I want no one to experience it. So when I heard that this man thought that he could purchase it, I was like, no, no. I want you to experience nothing but emptiness. Yeah. Well, and I like mean the rest of the population, honestly, when I saw that he was going to take LGBTQ equality to the moon by wearing a little, a little rainbow ribbon, I was thought that's great. Wouldn't it be oh, solve he fixed, all our problems? He fixed bigotry. Oh, I love that. Gonna, he's gonna fix bigotry on the moon. So oh, with the moon not here. Should we have been blaming the moon this whole time for oppression and hatred? Damn I mean, it. Knock yourself out. <sighs> Maybe. I, I don't think it's racist. I think it's the moon. It's the I don't want to be racist against the moon. He's gonna bring equality to the moon. It's like, babe, the moon's already very equal. There's nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> nobody that you know of, Jillian. What? All right, well. <laughs> I mean, you know, the aliens on the moon, um, they're very private people. I don't like to, only, um, you don't want to like uh, put on a moon suit and go and like, you know, hang out with your moon baseball cap and your moon boots and try and like no, I tell them about their problems. I didn't watch too much science fiction to have any interest in going to space. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listen, the, the moon organizers will wear those little NASA costumes, but like really, really costumey ones yeah. that aren't practical in any manner for sure. It's like clearly a Halloween costume. Uh-huh. Okay, but please, as a, as a youth moon organizer boots. for nurses, I just like buy a sexy nurse Halloween costume. Oh, Christ. Hey guys, relatable. Am I right? I, I love that. that. I love that. <laughs> you but know, like, 
listen, so when, um, so Sav's point about the, the simplicity of answering questions uh, or of answering problems, fixing them, and the fact that every, people know the answers to their problems, um, you know, that's something that we deal with a lot as union organizers. And we're trying to get, you know, when we're trying to get employers to understand that, like, you don't have to hire consultants for millions of, or hundreds of thousands or however many dollars, you can just ask your employees. There was um, one of the union that I work for did a, one of our facilities did a, a project where it was at a nursing home and they were having issues with med errors. Um, and so they talked through the problem and what came up most often was, well, whenever, whenever I'm passing meds, people interrupt me um, and then I, you know, whatever. Um, the answer to this problem was literally the person doing the med pass would wear an orange sash and then everybody knew not to bother them. And the med error stopped. Zero med errors. That's it. For the cost of an orange sash. Can I get one of those? <laughs> I would like an orange sash that tells people not to bother me too. I also don't want people to talk to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> orange sash gang. I love that. Yeah. But like what, what you're saying. New merch. <laughs> Yeah. For real. And and what you're saying, Jillian, like exactly proves my point. Like what you need to do is like provide platforms to the solutions that we already know. Like that's it, right? The idea, you know, not to simp for any president really, but a lot of people got the child tax credit. Everyone who who needed money knew that the answer to their problem was money. Right. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I it's been two days but I'm enjoying the shit out of the knowledge that I'm going to be getting $250 a month for the rest of the year mm -hmm. like that's incredibly helpful and if they don't make this permanent I'm going to bash people's heads together yeah here's and but here's the bigger problem with our entire economic system though and I'm mm -hmm. going to completely bash on capitalism it's oh just no that, oh so bad. so sad but then what we have are we have these QAnon whatever the hell people going well I don't have kids well how come I don't get a tax credit because you don't so fucking need it <laughs> why yeah. help everybody you can parents. help everybody Shocking everybody idea. needs different kinds of help Shocking. oh my god how do we do it people I bet you know if I can say Atlanta. something very quickly about our QAnon friends I. <laughs> find myself extremely, extremely, extremely frustrated with well-intentioned progressives who think that activism means lurking on these QAnon uh, forums and getting upset about it. And they think that the experience of being upset at what they see mm -hmm. on these forums is somehow helpful or instructional mm -hmm. to some vague understanding of like why these people are doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, did you know that instead of filling your brain with garbage spewed by people who are committed to hatred, um, you could instead fill your head <laughs> with great messaging and answers to problems and uh, solutions to hatred and scripts for knocking doors for your candidates. And I just, you know, it makes my heart hurt that no one has like, and I have a lot of friends who do this and I'm like, you don't have to just be upset. 
like there's work to do that's very happy yeah. and uplifting and will give you a lot of camaraderie and solidarity that won't make you feel like eating glass. And that is in fact more effective than sitting there and wishing you were eating glass. And wow. I just wish, I wish if I could do one thing, if I could do one thing for those activists, I would just kick them out of all of the QAnon things. I'd be like, fill your, like if, yeah, I'm gonna talk in circles now, but like that is the thing that- Mute all the QAnon related words on Twitter. Just stop looking at Mute it. Mute them. Yeah. Mute the people that like, like the dunking is not activism. No. The, the being like, wow, these people are so horrible. Bitch, we know. <laughs> I'm a like, black person okay. in America. Go Tell, knock a door. Go knock a door. Go do a phone bank. Go read a book. Go sit outside meditatively. That would be a more effective use of your time, like of your activism time, than just being worked up about the fact that there are people who spew hatred for fun. Angela, what do you have? <laughs> You know, I, I, I just I just really wanted to point out for anyone out there who might be listening that um, spends a lot of time um, arguing with QAnon and Trumpers and people who are waging a culture war, you know, um, because I, I get it. I totally get it. I understand the urge. I, you know, I really do. But like illustratively. I mean, stop. This stuff is bullshit. And when you argue with it, you just give it validity um, and an oxygen and air. Like, I don't care about Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't care about this bullshit. Stop. Stop paying attention to them. Secondly, I mean, listen, it's your are the things you're arguing about are manufactured to make you argue about them so you don't organize and so like jesus god stop it like for instance i'm gonna do this right now let's let's start let's start a culture war outrage item right now richard branson went to the moon and he wore a beautiful patch for equality Mm -hmm. and the man on the moon saw it and he now identifies as non-binary and <laughs> Richard Branson made the moon gay. Yes. yes. So man on the moon, we cannot use that anymore. Man yeah. on the moon is done. They are on uh, the moon. Yeah. So, uh, so you need to get that message out there. This the is real. agenda is stealing the moon from us. For real. Yeah. And so like, if I can give you even a very specific example, like the white people I mentioned kicked me out of the Black Lives Matter mm, movement. Yeah. Um, this woman posted, so super quick backstory, Lancaster Lancaster City had a police chief who was white and he was awful. Protest, protest, protest. The mayor fired him. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a really, really big deal. Um, he went and then did a three hour unedited podcast about like his time being like fired for blue lot, blah, 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 right? And yeah. so like me being a comms genius was like, I don't need to listen to three hours of a disgruntled <laughs> ex-employee being disgruntled. This white woman who, again, excluded me from the Black Lives, I just want to continue to, to, yes. to hammer that home, posted not only the link to the podcast on her Instagram and her Facebook, she transcribed the vast majority of it. I was like, and so I commented, I was like, I've never seen you share an abolition podcast. I've never seen you share an anti-racism podcast. Why are you, 
amplifying police propaganda. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I think it's really important that white people know what we're up against. And I'm like, okay, but what are you for? Right. And like, we get gotten a bit of a back and forth and then she blocked me and it's been a whole thing ever since then. But I was like, why are you a self-described ally amplifying police propaganda ban like what are we doing here and also, can I just say like how if you're an ally if you're an ally how do you not already understand what we're up against I I don't know it's it, it's wild to me that some people think that the way to attract folks to a movement is to tell them how bad everything is mm-hmm. by and large people don't like bad right. people like good And so if you're building a movement, talk about what we're fighting for and where we're headed and what you would do with a magic wand rather than how bad shit is. Like, we know, bitch. (laughs) And it's it's just like these, um, and we, we see it in the progressive advocacy space with organizations and stuff. You always get those hit pieces from those fake news sources. Um, yep. which are very prolific. Thanks, Commonwealth Foundation and Jeffrey Yassi pieces of fucking shit. Anyway, um, but we always get hit with all these pieces. Nobody sees us retweeting that going, oh, look at what they said about us. Yeah. No, why well, waste some fucking airtime? It's not worth it. For real, for real. As a comms professional, we usually ask this mm-hmm. question of elected officials. Yeah. Um, but as a comms professional, I feel like your experience will be very valuable in our campaign. Mm -hmm. Yes. Messaging is everything. Oh, yes. Regardless of the medium of the message, whether it be musical or not. Mm -hmm. We are attempting to, uh, get people, particularly legislators to change the state song from the dirge that it is, Mm -hmm. um, Angela, and I think Angela has at this point convinced me that we should have a Eurovision style contest mm-hmm. between 67 mm-hmm. counties yeah. to present the new Pennsylvania song. Yeah. Costumes uh, are encouraged. Costumes are encouraged. Okay, can I just like, if I can use this to like plug. So I just moved in with my partner. I bought us a house and now we live here and his couches are coming on Sunday, but his band, he plays in like a really sweet little folk band and they would do a great state song for Pennsylvania. So you just send me the registration oh my God. and the Nielsen family band would love to throw a little song together. They I want to hear their rendition of the Pennsylvania polka. Yeah. I'll see. Uh, <laughs> I would love to hear a folk rendition of the Pennsylvania polka, actually. Yeah. <laughs> polka. Okay. Uh, you know, I'll, I think they got band practice tomorrow. <laughs> Wait, with 67 counties, though, I feel like we have more opportunity because that's 67 competitors in this Pennsylvania. I mean, yeah, we could have thing. different songs besides the Pennsylvania. Have you polka, ever heard I the guess. Pennsylvania March? Because that shit, too. I know. They just passed the Pennsylvania March. They just approved it, and it's yeah. terrible. And do you know what, what's in common? old white dudes yeah the style of john philip sousa which okay where are we marching exactly to that to our deaths if you listen to it great we're marching door to door to talk to our friends and neighbors about a government that works for all of us that's right (laughs) now it's very good spin away from our negativity that's our that's our new state song (laughs) can we just get like a like a um remix to that little sound clip of of her being motivating just now that can be our covenant <laughs> submission behind or something yeah i'm done i'm gonna go launch my spotify career right now 
So I will see you, witches. Thank you so much. Thank you, oh, thank you, friends. I'll see y'all next time. Bye. See ya. Goodbye. That was oh, delightful. That was fun. Um. <laughs> I think we might have our first uh, first competitor for for Eurovision. Yeah. I'm I'm very I actually, you know, I was not on board at first, really, because I do love the Pennsylvania Polka so much, but the idea someone will do it of a Eurovision style competition to create the state song that is a competition between all 67 counties is feeling like it, mm, it like really hits the Pennsylvania spot for me. Um, it's Panavision. It's, it's it's like a pageant but without the yeah it's Panavision oh, and it takes you way back too to yeah like, yeah yeah it's OG. Pan-a-ver. Are we gonna are we gonna have a contract with PCN to carry this or yes that could totally happen totally oh Panavision that's it we're doing it we're gonna <laughs> Shanna get out your colored pencils <laughs> we need just bought some new ones yeah <laughs> I, you know what's depressing mm. like we're joking right now but i bet give us six months we could probably fucking pull this off oh, you remember that yeah. time we were talking in slack about hey wouldn't it be cool to have a podcast and then a week later we had one and now over yeah. 2,000 <laughs> listens like do not followers. underestimate what yeah. we are capable of when we put our minds to it um there yeah, i'm nothing. totally not kidding no i'm not <laughs> either there's nothing too ridiculous nothing can we have like the the final coincide with the farm show? Because then like so many people would be there. Yeah. Oh, that would be big. Everything can be virtual until the finals. As so the what we should do is we should like have the competitions ride the county fair circuit. So each county fair Ooh. is where the competition happens. And then they come to the farm show in January. Oh, we got it. But we'll have to we'll have to do it next year because we probably already missed. I will throw this kink into it: is that some counties don't have county fairs. Blair Monsters. County, Burke, Commissioner Burke, please let us have a please make us have a county fair. You don't have a county fair. We have a county fair. Cameron County has a county fair. Oh, Come on. No, they don't. You don't can, fair shame her. You can go to the actual like fair website. There's like a whole list of Pennsylvania yeah. county mm-hmm. fairs, and not every county has a fair but you can click yeah. on like subsections for counties to yeah. see more localized i don't think i was gonna say they, they have to at least have a fair. fireman's carnival or something yeah. And yeah honestly the fact that i even know there's a website you can fucking go to really i mean of course you do me. yeah no i don't, I don't think because I, I grew up in beaver county i don't think beaver county has a fair because i remember always going to like the big butler fair big knob big knob because everything in Beaver County has to sound perverse. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I went to Penn State Beaver for three semesters. Um, and in the orientation, uh, they did, you know, you do the thing where it's like, we are. And then you say like at Penn State, but also they'll do your campus name. Um, so I can, I just tell you how much fun several hundred 18 to 19 year olds had yelling we are beaver although let's be real beaver over big knob any day <laughs> the, big, the, the big the big knob fair man you know so, i mean come come to beaver county yeah. lots of lots of attractions county, but whatever yeah they don't have a fair though no well we will we will figure out a way to Regardless. include those counties who are fairless Panavision. we're doing it help us figure out the details um, 
let's talk about our events. Oh my God. Oh, it's summer picnic season. The Erie Dem Summer Picnic and Softball Tournament. That sounds like fun. July 31st from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. at Harbor Creek Community Park. Good times. Um, an online event with Earth Justice. Uh, there's a panel on intersections, uh, environmental justice, July 29th at 2 p.m. Amazing. Um, I would like to shout out our newest Patreon subscriber, Layla McSnuggles, who I'm pretty sure is my Aunt Elizabeth. And that's her, because that's her dog's name. I love you, Aunt Elizabeth. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I love it. That's a very good dog name. It, it, yeah, no. Layla's really cute too. Um, so yeah, so please join Layla McSnuggles um, and the rest of our gang in our Patreon. Um, you can, if you join the Patreon, become a part of our Discord, our private Discord, uh, where we are just as, if not more ridiculous than we are here. Um, and uh, obviously move us closer to that $200 threshold so that we can get a special food slap video from Maria Montagna. Because uh, I, I want, I just like, I can't stop thinking about what, what kind of food it would be. We're going to figure it out. We get to vote, right? Uh, we do, yeah. They, our Patreon subscribers are going to get to vote on it. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, well, many thanks uh, to our very special guest witch, uh, Sabthorpe, who was just freaking delightful and fantastic. I could have listened to her talk about um, organizing and authenticity and working with candidates for literally ever. Um, and thank you to my co-witches. Katie, Shanna, Angela, uh, and of course, our mysterious and delightful producer, Dr. Ack, who gets a special shout out, because if you listened to last week's episode where we were talking to Sarah Inamorato, what you didn't notice was a massive technical glitch in the middle of the episode. You didn't notice it because Dr. Ack is so freaking amazing. She made it go away entirely. I, I don't, she's a magician, um, a sorceress. So, and I have been Jillian Crotzer. Don't forget, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Caucus. Subscribe, rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your pods. And of course, come join our community by becoming a Patreon sponsor. That's it's, it. It's really amazing to like sit next to her during this closing and then hearing her do that. And there's an entire energy that comes off her. I vibe hard. She Big vibes. wombat energy. I, it is a great energy to be around. And I, I really appreciate it. I'm jealous because I mean, I can just tell when Jillian like slips into like Wolfman Jack mode and it's very cool. I think it really upped when you got the new mic that comes Oh home. yeah. Well, that makes me feel really important 